my beautifully broken friends, and welcome to another podcast. I hope you all are doing well, and I hope you all had a wonderful spring break, if it was spring break for you like it was for me and my kiddos. The coronavirus is giving us an additional spring break, which I'm praying for everyone that they do not get sick, but it's kind of fun to have your kids home for a couple extra weeks. It's mostly fun. No, it is fun. It's fun. If they ask, tell them I said it's fun. Okay, so funny story that happened to me this past week. Uh, Funny and quite embarrassing, I must add. So, you know, I have little puppies in my house and they're destroying my house. They're eating everything. They're eating my baseboards. They've torn up my comforter. They've moved on to my couch Um, so it's just been a little crazy. My friends and I went out to the movies at our local, local movie theater. And then we went to eat out after that, celebrating one of our friend's birthday. And I got home from having so much fun in my neighborhood and I went to the bathroom And as I'm sitting there on the toilet, I just happen to look down at my jeans that have a giant hole in the rear end. And I realize that now it dawns on me that I did see the puppies on my jeans earlier that day, that they had fallen on the floor and you know, being the good person I am, I'm not using water. So I just rewear the jeans. Like I'm sure none of you do that. But I just threw on the jeans, not realizing that the puppies had torn a giant hole in my booty area. So you're welcome to the neighborhood of Goodyear who saw me walking around the movie theater and the restaurant at Ariba's there with my butt hanging out. Yeah, you're totally welcome, and I'm very, very sorry. So moving on from that embarrassing situation, I don't even know why this happens to me. I feel like this is not the first time that I have shown my butt to people accidentally. I don't know. It's some sort of sick humor thing, I think, that I don't know. Maybe I'm just clueless. I don't think so. I think these things just happen. I have many stories. Maybe I'll tell you later. But I will post a picture on my Instagram at Lori Rollinger uh, later in the week so you can see my humiliation in full bloom there. Actually, no, you won't because I'm not going to put them on and take a picture. I won't do that. But I will show you what the jeans look like. Anyways, let's move on from there. I wanted to go back and do another older blog that I had written before that got a lot of reads. And that's the one where I talked about Greg's last words to his kids. Death sucks. I mean, is there any other way to describe death? (laughs) And the process of dying is heartbreaking. I've told this story before. My brother's wife died in childbirth. She had preeclampsia, toxemia, and um, things were not done the correct way. And uh, she basically had a massive stroke to the brain and she died within two days. That happened when I was 17. And then 
I watched my husband die over four years. So while I don't know even how to like compare the two, right? Because the loss of losing someone so fast is like such a heartache. It's just they're here one day and everything is fine. And two days later, later they're gone. Like, how can that be? But watching your loved one die is not exactly the greatest thing either. Uh, watching somebody who is full of life and full of just the potential of the rest of his life and watching him going from that to a person who needs every single help with every life task, that's really difficult as well. But the good thing about knowing that you're going to die is the fact that you get to stress to those you love all those things which you think are most important to you. And for Greg, those most important things were his stories, our memories, and messages to his family, particularly to his children. And of course, Greg had done a lot of sharing with his kids as he deteriorated, trying to think of all the events of life and reminding the kids how good God has been to us. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie My Life with Michael Keaton. It's a terrible movie. It came out when I was like in high school and I watched it and I sobbed the whole time. I thought, who would make a movie like this? This guy is dying of cancer and he's like videotaping his life or his son. Like he's showing him how to shave and, and then he like dies. And it, I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> and then, of course, I kind of get to live that same type of life. And while like looking from the outside, you think, oh, my gosh, it's so sad. Like in the moment, it really wasn't that sad. I mean, there were things along the way that we had to grieve, the things that we would no longer get to do. But being able just to be with each other was certainly a blessing. As you're dying, I think you think about those future events and those things that you would want to be there for your kids for, like weddings and graduations and all those things. And, and for Greg, he thought through all these things and he wanted to guide them through those things, knowing he wouldn't be here. So he made it a point to try to say all those things that would be important to the kids. But even in this, Greg did it with passion and hilarity. His catchphrase to Brooke was always, remember boys are bad. And to the boys, it was always, Remember how important family is and take care of each other and take care of your mom and your sister. And to the kids all together, he said, your mom is really super smart. I totally back this one up too. your mom is super smart. She has a lot of good things to say. Listen to her. And to me, he must have said, I love you a million times. Of course, I wish it could have been a million and one. But even then... <laughs> Let's just be honest, I wouldn't be satisfied. But always he talked about how faithful God was to him, even in the dying process. To me, it's remarkable how much my husband relied 
on God and he focused on the good things. And when you're dying, I get it. Like it's hard to focus on the good things because it's so easy to focus on what you're going to lose. It's so easy to focus on the loss. And Greg would always say, don't focus on what's lost. Focus on what's left. Like at the end, all we had was the air between us. I called it companionable silence. We just liked sitting in the same room. He was watching TV. I was reading. But we were together and enjoying that silence. I mean, he couldn't even speak anymore. It was really difficult for him and it was really hard to understand for me. And so we both just tried to enjoy the silence. And if he were still here, we would be enjoying the silence. So by the time we were told there was nothing more we can do for Greg and we moved him to hospice, like I said, his speech was so bad, we just sat and enjoyed the same air, the same space for as long as possible. We had been there for a couple weeks when Greg had a particularly bad day. And by that night, we really thought he might be dying. So he looked at me with these eyes. I mean, you know, when you love someone and you spend so much time with them, they don't even have to say anything. They can just look at you. And he, he looked at me And I just knew he had something important to say. He wanted me to write his kids a final letter to each of them. And I don't think Hollywood could come up with a more heart-wrenching story than what I experienced that night. A father who longed to be with his children, but knew he couldn't, was trying to write one more love letter to them. He was trying to infuse one more idea into their hearts. This took us several hours. I struggled to understand what he was trying to say, and he struggled to communicate with me. But the letters, (laughs) they're so beautiful. Each one of them specific and meaning to what he was trying to communicate to his children. After he died, I typed them out and framed them and gave them to each child on their subsequent birthdays. And while my children love and appreciate these letters, they weren't in the room to see the struggle and anguish that went into writing those letters, both for their father and for their mother. Those last words he was never going to get to say to them in person. They weren't throwaway sentiments or an offhanded comment. They were specific. They were precise. They were important. Knowing how important those last words were to Greg, it just made sense to go back and look at the final words that Jesus spoke to us before he died. I had seen firsthand how important it was to a dying person to leave instructions, to tell stories, to cast vision to those that they were about ready to leave. So I decided to study the words from my mentor. The last important message Jesus wanted his people to know were said at the Last Supper to his disciples. They were specific, 
They were precise. (laughs) They were important. Jesus starts out by offering comfort to them, knowing that they will be devastated when he's dead. He tells them again that he is God, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that only in him is their salvation. And then he tells them not that he's not going to leave them as orphans, or <laughs> as my children call themselves, orphans, which is half orphans. <laughs> They're so goofy. But that he's going to be sending us a helper, someone who's going to encourage us and exhort us. And this spirit will help us to know and discern the truth about what he had been saying for the past three years. And then he goes into those beautiful descriptive scriptures about the vine and the branches and that if we abide in him, he will abide in us. He talked about how much he loves us and he wants us to love others. And then he wraps it up by telling his friends that this life is hard and it's about to get harder. And they thought that they had experienced inconvenience and intolerance, but he warned them that the hatred was about to come their way because of him. And then he says the most amazing words. In John 16:33, Jesus says, But take heart. I have overcome the world. What a mind-blowing way to end some of the final thoughts you want to speak. In my mind, Jesus is summing things up for them. Like, hey guys, life is about to get really ugly and painful for you, but remember who I am and keep believing. I'm going to send someone that's going to indwell you and help guide you and give power through your life, and you're going to be okay. So keep trusting in me, keep obeying my words, because I know the ending and we are the overcomers. I know his words are way more in depth than that, but it helps me to think that Jesus can relate to me on a super personal level. Studying his word has been so helpful to me. Though they were his disciples, they hold true for us who believe in him. And I know I tend to underestimate the power that is in me because of the Holy Spirit. No matter how scared or sad or frustrated or confused I get in life, I have the source of all truth in me to help guide my life. If I am obedient to him and living in his will for my life, I know he is with me and he will guide me and he will bless me. I have a special guest podcaster with us here this weekend. I've invited my daughter, Brooke Rollinger, to come and share her thoughts about her dad's final words to her. Hi, Brooke. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me this week. Anytime. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your dad's last words to you and what they meant in your life. He had told me how beautiful I was, and he had also told me that I should follow God for the rest of my life, and I have, and he was basically saying how God will never lead me astray, and I have seen that time and again. And he wanted you to know that he always loves you. Yeah. 
So can you tell us what have you learned from watching your dad die? It has taught me that I shouldn't be afraid of death and it has given me compassion for hurting people. And I think you do that really well. You see the hurt that others don't, your age don't necessarily see. And I think you have a great gift of compassion. And I know that it sucks <laughs> that your dad died, but I think you're right. It has taught you that even though it's not great, there's so much more to this life. There's an eternal life that's yet to come when we'll all be united together. Anything else you want to say? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Brooke today. It was so sweet of her to share her thoughts on her dad's final words to her. And I know that Greg's final words to his kids were summed up about the same way. He wanted them to know, you can do this thing called life. And even though it's about to get hard, and maybe even harder with this impending death, you can do it if you look to the one who overcame it all and walk in confidence that we are overcomers too. Friends, let me encourage you, even though life is hard and definitely scary sometimes, we don't know what we're about to face, what we're about to go through. Maybe we do. Maybe what we're facing is terrifying. Maybe what we're facing is sadness. I don't know what it is you're facing, but I do know that if you've accepted Jesus as your savior, you are not yet to become an overcomer. No, no, my friend, you are an overcomer. Look to Jesus, the source of all truth, to know how to live this beautifully broken life. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for my friends. God, I don't know what it is that they're going through today, but I know that your final words to us are so important. Lord, may we realize the power that lives within us, that no matter what we're facing, you are there with us, and that we don't have to come it, overcome it because you already have. And with you, we are overcomers. God, fill us with your hope. Fill us with your love. I pray these things in your name. Amen.